Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're having a conversation today about the captivity, shall we say, of how the soybean meal kind of held control of these markets, but not just the soybean meal. Uh, China, the economy there, the, the movement of export grains. And of course, on the flip side, it's been about this weather and the concerns for the livestock market. A lot that we're going to look at today. Excited of Arlen Suderman joining us. Arlen is with Stonex. So maybe Arlen, start right there. This soybean meal kind of from the get-go is kind of was leading the direction that we we're going to see these grains trade today. Yeah, I certainly did way down. And so, and, you know, we saw an update yesterday, but, uh, Today, it turned the other direction and hard and fast, and it just comes down to supply and demand, and the supply is there greater than the demand right now, so the price is going down trying to find it. Big break in meal prices, and we also we did see a bounce in oil as we kind of corrected that meal-oil um, relationship that spread. I think some of the weakness in, in meal was probably due to the bounce in the oil as well. Um, but frankly, beans really took it on the chin and, and doing more damage there. And I think that as I'm working the Fort Wayne Farm Show today, that's the biggest thing that has farmers down here today is just the big break in bean prices and how many more beans that they have to sell. And I tell them, you know, the problem is not how many more beans you have to sell, but the problem is, is you're trying to sell against the same market that the Brazilian farmer is selling against the Chicago market. And the Brazilian farmers even further behind in marketing his beans and his corn crop than what you are. And so he's looking for a rally to sell. So every time we get a little bit of a strength or hesitation in this down market, they're selling into that as well. And, um, and, and that's a problem for trying to get a, any type of a bounce in these markets because there's so many farmers on both sides of the equator uh, looking to sell that bounce when it happens. So as you look at the, the kind of the overall picture, and you were doing some interesting looking when it came to uh, uh, data and China with exports, we're not sitting in a good position right now. No, not at all. And uh, when we look at it, in fact, you know, we've got a couple offices in China, one in Shanghai, one in Beijing. And and one of the things that we get from our people there is uh, calculations every day of uh, what their different options are for buying soybeans for the buyers there. And they're taking into account currency exchange rates, freight rates, which, which obviously vary depending on where they're getting them shipped, et cetera. And so we look at how competitive are U.S. beans versus Brazil and Argentina. And if you look at soybeans for February shipment, which is what their buyers are looking at now, February, March shipment, uh, they have two options. They can buy from the U.S. Gulf, they can buy from the P&W, too, but they're pretty fully utilizing that. But if they're buying from the U.S. Gulf versus Brazil, Brazilian soybeans are about a buck seventy-five cheaper than U.S. Gulf soybeans for February shipment. If you look at March shipment, those Brazilian beans are two dollars a bushel cheaper than U.S. Gulf soybeans. And what that says is the cash market in Brazil is not worried about the crop being too short there to supply the demand not worried at all and while we've been looking at prices dropping here they've been dropping even faster in brazil and so that's a a real problem now as we look at trying to get competitive the market here is to find a price where we can be competitive and that means it could be much lower does it mean we're going down a dollar 75 a bushel not necessarily no 
Um, but it does mean that there are more downside risks than upside risks right now. We do have good, strong methane demand, but we still need some of that export demand, and that's a problem for us right now with South America expanding production. So how do you see our higher dollar? I mean, that's got to be a negativity towards us when it comes to export opportunities, but it keeps moving. Yeah, that's an excellent point, and we've seen the dollar gain here the last couple of days trading its highest level in, in over a month since December 13th, so about five weeks. And and that's really created a lot of headwinds for the grain and oilseed markets as, as well as even the energy market. So even though we have a lot of growing geopolitical risks, which we could talk about, um, the strong dollar is what's created a lot of headwinds the last couple of days. And as I look at how far we came down on a lot of these prices yesterday, uh, looking at the data today showed that open interest took a big jump, meaning there was a lot of managed money that came into the market yesterday, putting on short or sold positions, and I anticipate the same was true today. So then, Arlen, what's your take on the, the current status of the Chinese economy? Well, China's economy has trouble. Are there positive aspects to the economy? Yes. But one of the big concerns is the property sector. And Property makes up about 40% of the average household's assets. So therefore, when property is going down in value in in China, the average consumer says, oh no, we're losing value in our assets. We need to be careful how we spend. We're worried and we certainly don't want to make big purchases like a new car or a new home or something like that. So their economy continues to slide We've seen a decrease in values of, of, of home prices, I believe, for 24 net consecutive months now in China. Um, and uh, we're seeing consumer bonds start to pull back. They are still spending money on near-term things like taking trips, um, going to concerts and, and the movies and stuff like vacations. But they're not making the big purchases and they're being very careful about goods and services that they purchase that they purchase and that that's the primary problem with china's economy right now all right well stick around folks we come back we're going to continue diving into what we saw as some of the movers and shakers of this wednesday midweek trade of course uh markets closed on monday so we're playing some catch-up with reports that we would normally receive and of course speaking of reports we have a catalan feed report as well that comes out on friday afternoon of course excited arlen is joining us on location and we've got a lot more coming up stick around it is the channel final bell right here on the rural radio network KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as our conversation continues this afternoon with Arlen Suderman with Stonex. And Arlen, you know, we look at the the way these grains have, have finished up and kind of want to talk a little bit more about China. Is there anything else in this economy um, and happenings in China that you want to talk about that's affecting and will affect our trade? Well, I think one of the things that's relevant is the fact that we've seen a, such a turn in the population of China to where their population is in decline. And we've been talking about that, but data that came out this week showing that their population's falling faster than what we first thought. So that means fewer consumers, and that also means problems for the economy, but it also means less meat consumption. We know that per capita, Pork consumption has been going down. We know that the government has been dictating that they use less soy meal in their rations. 
taking it down to 12.5% inclusion rate by next year versus they used to be at 17%. So all those factors mean less soybean meal going into, uh, into China, less soybeans going into China to be crushed. So that's a long-term factor there. Um, but it also means um, more problems for their economy overall. They are still growing, but at a very slow rate that's tough for their big economy to handle at that slow rate. So it is a concern, and I think there's more reasons for continuing to diversify our demand away from China so that uh, we're not as dependent upon them as what we once were. Well, and that, that jump in hogs um, was right around 4.6% over what we saw a year ago. Excuse me, a year ago. So that's got to mean they're getting a better handle on ASF, maybe. Yeah, on ASF, uh, they're managing it with strong biosecurity and really commercialize their farms. Prior to, uh, prior to uh, 2018, when ASF really became a problem there, um, most of their hog production, I would say, 85% of it was in small farms, just a handful of sows and raising the pigs from it. And now the overwhelming majority has gone commercial. Do they still have ASF there? Yes. Does it sometimes get into those big facilities? Yes. But as a whole, they are managing it. And I know that about three months ago, there were rumors that they were having a much bigger outbreak of ASF, new variant. This is worse than before. We simply did not see that as being the case, and it didn't turn out to be the case. It Does it come back every winter um, and, and create more problems? Yes, but they, I would say they're managing it, and, and so the bigger problem is the drop in demand. All right, look at this cattle market. The straw, I mean, nice to see them turn around, except for the February live cattle at the last minute and see some higher numbers at the close. But whether from a from a trade perspective, I mean, we talked about this um, during the midday today. Um, computers don't know whether it's snowing or not, but we do. How do you see those two correlating and finally getting some recognition that there might be some struggles in these feedlots? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The market's priced in a lot of problems. I don't think they fully recognize the scope of that. I think that's going to take now as as we get carcass weight data really showing it and slaughter data. The slaughter data we're starting to see, I think the market's just been assuming, well, that's just because it's been tough to really transport um, cattle in, and that's been because of shortened slaughter schedules, because of getting workers into plants. But I think as we get over the next uh, week to 10 days, we're going to start seeing a lot more data showing just how much weight has been lost by these cattle out in the elements. As the animals focus, take their focus away from putting on weight to just maintaining their body in the cold. And they've lost a lot of weight, as you've indicated, we were talking off the air, maybe up to 100 pounds. Um, that has to be regained now. That's more feed consumption, so that'll help the corn feed consumption. That's a positive there. Um, but that's lost gain for the feeder. That's going to hurt them. But it's taken a lot of meat off the market. We have seen the product market t- traded. Product market has really tightened it up and, and traded sharply higher. That's a positive. The board has priced a lot of that. Now we need to see how the data actually comes in and see if the board has more adjustments to make. So what do you see as some of the biggest movements, especially when we have another front that's set to come in? And this doesn't just affect cattle movement. It affects hog movement as well to processing facilities. 
Yeah, we've got we've got one more big cold surge. It looks like before we start moderating temperatures, and that's going to continue to impact performance of both cattle and hogs. Even though hogs are in confinement, it still does affect them. And keeping those trying to keep those buildings going, uh, it's a bigger problem for cattle. So we got one more round to go. It looks like, and then we can start moderating temperatures, moderating conditions somewhat, and really get a full assessment on things. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? On X, formerly Twitter, my handle is ArlenFF101, or they can uh, come to StoneX.com and catch me there. All right, safe travels back as you, you head back from the farm show there. We appreciate your time. Arlen Suderman's been joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the Rural Radio Network.